You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Well, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. It has been a whole year and I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that fact. Um, 2021 came and went um, and uh, I could kind of just you know, give you a whole recap, but we don't have time for that. So I thought I would just share with you um, our Christmas card. I am one of those people that always sends out the cards too late if I do make them. Um, So they're always kind of a Merry Christmas slash Happy New Year card. Anyways, I want to read this for you. It's very brief. 2021 was filled with many new commitments and projects around our new homestead. We added a giant puppy, two bunnies, and built a full garden. Additional adventures included a few weeks with a broken septic pump. Yes, yes, that happened. Many missed days of school, positive C-19 tests, and a successful last round of potty training. Woohoo! No more diapers in this house. God's blessings are too numerous to name. His kindness is overwhelming. His presence so real. We feel so grateful and are reliant on him as we enter into the new year. All right, so that is our family Christmas card. I know you can't see the pictures. Um, if you follow along on Instagram, you might have seen me share that there a month ago. So this is a new season, and like I said, I'm thrilled to be back here with you. Um, I'm excited to share a new guest episode with you today, and um, let's just jump right into that. At the very end of our time together, I want to uh, read you a little something, and then I'll update you kind of on some very uh, minor changes that are happening for this coming season. All right, so Laurel Edwards is my guest today. She's a mom of three, and she is a blogger along with her sister at um, Sugar Plum Sisters, a very loved blog, and they are based in um, the Lower Mainland, BC. In 2014, she received a diagnosis um, a week before Christmas. that she had breast cancer and so we're going to talk about that and what that experience and journey was like for her and while you know it's hard to hear about this happening to a mom with with three um, children you know it's a lot of what we focus on is on things like allowing others to walk into these hard things with us and to use their gifts which is really really Um, It was so good for even just for myself to just listen back to some of this because it really encouraged me to remember that we all have a different part to play in each other's journeys. Uh, We talk about journaling and the importance of that. Um, And we also talk about Laurel's um, journey with anxiety, um, how that 
uh, played a part in kind of the way that she responded and walked through her her diagnosis and treatments, but also how the Lord truly stepped in um, to that picture with her and what he's taught her. So without further ado, let's listen to my conversation with Laurel Edwards. Laurel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You know what? This is really a treat because you and I have kind of had a connection online and correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't actually met in person, have we? We never have, but you are one of the people that I, you know, connected with on social media and I just feel like you're my friend. I know, it does feel kind of that way and and it's funny cuz we we lived previously, well I did. We we lived in the same town. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we should we should have actually just taken our relationship to the next level <laughs> before I you remember, left. <laughs> I remember you had posted about you had shared um, something about uh, a dinner party, something that you had done um, with your sister. And um, I remember you saying something, this was a few years ago, something about maybe I should host to something else. And I was like, yes. And is that, am I, am I like even on track with that, that well, idea? And I was like, yes, you should do something. And I remember thinking, oh, I hope she does it because it would be so fun to, to get together. You know what? We have to, we've, we've got a lot of plans, but every time we put together something like we love to entertain. So um, we did do a couple brunches in the past where we would extend the invitation and get to know people that we'd never met. And I, we stopped doing it. And you know, thank you for reminding me. I feel like we need to reignite that. Oh my goodness, you do. I think that's one of the most precious things, especially when it's like, you know, it is about meeting new people, right? Because there's something about like having dinner parties with friends that, you know, it's nice and it's wonderful. But I mean, life isn't about a small bubble. I think there's something so beautiful about bringing new people in and, and saying, so hey, true. I want to host, I want to have you in my home. It's so true. And gathering around food is something we love to do. And it just breaks down the barriers. Oh, it really does. It really does, especially, say the word with me, charcuterie. Charcuterie. I knew you were going there. You can't go, you can't go wrong with charcuterie. Oh, my goodness. So we, it's so hilarious because I always ask people, how do you say this word? Um, we are not even on track with this conversation, but that's okay because this is worth talking about. At one time years ago, my husband and I had gone and stayed at a hotel in North Vancouver, and we had ordered this delectable board. Um, and it was like, it was just, it was a really, it was a pretty fancy restaurant. It was nice. It was really nice. And when the waiter came over to the table, I very, um, sheepishly asked him like, how do you say this word? And Laurel, I'm telling you, it was not the way we just said it. Did it have a little more flair to it? It had some more flair. It had some, it had some extra accentuation on some letter or something. And We need to be from like France or something to say it properly. I'm quite certain. And one day I'm going to learn how to say it so that I sound very, very like up there. And then you can teach me and we will teach the world one person at a time. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. I remember hearing it and I was like, that sounds really good. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I want to know. know. I want to know. I know. Well, we have that in common, but I know that this is something that you and your sister 
like have been doing for a while. Tell us a little bit about that because I followed Pam as well. So you guys have the Sugar Plum Sisters, Sisters. blog, right? And how did how did that kind of start for you guys? You know, Pam and I have worked together since actually, oh my goodness, for probably 25 years, a long time. Um, But once we both entered marriage and then we started having children, we still wanted to work together, but we wanted to do something that we could do around our kids' schedule. Mm -hmm. So we did interior design for a number of years together, and then we kind of got into a season with the kids that were... It was just really busy and hard to maintain. So we took a little pause. Um, But we often talked about what we could do together. And um, we had a couple of friends that said, listen, like when when we're going to a new city, we always like to pick your brains if you've been there for your recommends. You should do something. You you should have a place to put your lists and your Mm. recommendations. And so we talked about it for a really long time. And... um, And then, you know, we got to the point where the kids were getting a little bit more independence and we had a little more time. And so we just decided to take the plunge and create a blog. And what we loved about it was that we could still work around our kids' schedules. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. something that we had to do certain hours of the day. So it was something something for us that we could do and but still let us keep our... um, our, our main role is being mom um, mm-hmm. at the forefront. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what started it. Yeah. I actually popped on your blog the other day and I was reading your recent trip to Whistler. Yes. And, and I was just like, oh, I miss Whistler. We used to go like once or twice a year. And um, since we moved up north, that's not really an option anymore. I was going to say. It looked like a lot of fun. It was so much fun. And like, Working with your best friend, who's also Mm. your sister, is pretty hard to beat. So, like, to be able to see new places and experience new, you know, tastes and sights with your best friend is pretty great. Yeah. Oh, man, it did. It looks so fun. It looks so fun. Um, You know, I would love to hear a little bit more about you, and I know the listeners um, would love to hear a little bit more about you. Can you just tell us a bit about your family and just kind of what um, a normal week looks like for you currently? For sure. So I have three kids. I have two girls and a boy. And... Oh, they're getting old. They're growing up. So <laughs> they're 22, 20, and 17. So probably the biggest change lately is that my son, my youngest, has his driver's license. So my life and what it looks like in a given week has really changed because I have um, I have more time. I don't have that school drop-off and pick-up that kind of you plan your day around. So um, there are three busy kids. My eldest is in her fifth year of university and um, my middle is in her third and my son is graduating this year so he's a busy kid he plays hockey so that's always on the schedule every week um you know probably the other biggest thing is I've found myself in the position of being a single mom and that's something that has been um a really challenging time for me um over the last, I guess it's been two and a half years. And so life has really changed what it looks like, but I'm just finding finding joy getting involved in different things. My sister and I are involved in our church and the women's ministry. So that's been something that's been new and exciting. So, and, and um, 
yeah, it's been a challenge during the last 18 months with all the different rules and, and regulations, but we're just really wanting to bring community back to church. Uh, us women miss it. We need it. And so that's kind of, that's what I'm doing right now. Wow. Yeah. Well, the community aspect is definitely needed and it's, it almost feels impossible, I think, um, for some of us that are in these tighter restrictions right now. And so I know we're itching. I feel it too. I feel like I just really want to get back to, um, you know, gathering again. And it just is so up and down. It's been a really, it has been such a trying time. Um, but you know, women, I mean, women can get creative, which is awesome. And I'm thankful for, you know, Zoom and all of those different ways that we still have to connect. I think about the different things we've done over the last year. Like I was looking through some pictures the other day and we had like a little Christmas girls gathering um, on Zoom. So we each got dressed up and um, made a fancy drink and... (laughs) had like a two-hour conversation so there's some really cool things and cool memories that have come out of it but um you know you can't you can't replace the face-to-face and so those are some of the things that we're really looking forward to being able to plan and hopefully facilitate soon yeah sounds so good well you've got quite a story um to share with us today about walking through a, a cancer journey and um and uh, I know I've actually, um, in the last couple of years, had requests for, you know, this topic to be talked about because it, it's one thing to deal with something like this kind of, you know, in a sense, attacking your body and, and the whole process that ensues when you get a diagnosis like this. But I think that walking through this during motherhood is, it's it's just extra painful for a lot of different reasons and so um why don't you just start with just chatting about what that initial kind of uh diagnosis looked like for you um how old were your kids at the time and and just some of those details and let's 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 talk together about this absolutely um yeah so life was going really well um tickety-boo, as they say. And um, September of 2014, I actually woke up one morning and I just, I felt something. Like I felt, um, not by touching the area, but I actually felt something within, um, in my left breast. And so upon examining it, I, I found a lump and it was quite concerning because it was different. So, um, yeah, it, you know, initial feelings of panic and worry and concern. My children were, uh, grade 10 was, uh, so 15, or 15 was my eldest, my middle was 13, and then Lincoln was 10. So just a really busy time of life too, where, you know, I'm still doing all the driving and they're in all of their activities and, um, you're just doing that mom thing, right? And not mm-hmm. not expecting anything to change that. Right. And so I that one day I felt something and um I shared my concern with my husband and my sister and really was encouraged to that it probably was nothing, but you know, you need to get that you need to go get that checked out just, you know, for peace of mind more thing. And so I did, and um, my doctor wasn't concerned, but thankfully wanted to be thorough, and so booked me for 
a mammogram and an ultrasound. And so that process that fall, um, it's interesting. I know God, God always knows the timing. Um, but it was, it was weird how it all kind of unfolded. There was a bit of, I guess things got lost in the shuffle and, um, and because I wasn't totally looking forward to these tests, I didn't really follow up right off the bat. And so mm. I waited the fall. I waited about two and a half months um, before finally getting the tests. And so that was a kind of an interesting period of time. It was a period of um, trying to not worry, um, but also feeling in my gut that there was something maybe to be concerned about. And um you know, I just kept going to God and saying, like, you need to, I need you. I need your help. I need you to come alongside me. You know, so many women um, worry about this. And so I can't be the one person <laughs> where there's something to actually worry about. But anyways, mm. um, so it was December of 2014. And I had got a clean, um, a clean report on my mammography and I was going to even because of that I was going to cancel my ultrasound and I thank the Lord that a, a good wise friend told me no you need to you need to still do the ultrasound and so it was on that ultrasound that they found something concerning and so the next step was going for a biopsy and um, it was interesting when I went in for the biopsy the surgeon came in and she she just grabbed my hand and um at the end sorry came in did the biopsy and then at the end grabbed my hand and said you know I just really want to wish you well on this journey so I had some indications then already that um maybe it was maybe it was cancer so I um I received the actual diagnosis just the week before Christmas and yeah it as much as you feel like you have prepared yourself, I you can't. You you just can't actually um, be ready for hearing that. And so that Christmas, I I just have memories of a lot of it feeling like a blur um, because it was Christmas. There was no like way to come up with a plan, so to speak, because so many offices were closed for the holidays. And so it was really a time of waiting for me. And um, it's interesting in preparing for this podcast, I kind of went back to some of my different things that I'd written along the way. And even though I say now it was all a blur, I, I look to something that I wrote, uh, a blog post that I wrote, I think it was Christmas Eve and I, I see there already that God was giving me some peace. I, I see in mm. what I wrote that it wasn't me, but it was him actually just already that early into the process, just being like, okay, I'm, I, I've got you. We're going to get through this. And so it's funny how things fade a little bit when you, when you go down the road and you look back, but revisiting those words I'm like man God didn't wait long to bring peace so that is it's just... amazing it's amazing how he um is so present and when we're willing to document it um I just recently um just encouraged a friend to do the same thing because she's she was walking through a bit of a postpartum journey and and I said you know when she asked me you know what do you have any advice or any resources or anything and I said one thing I would do is even if you don't want to, and even if it's sad to read back one day, journaling now 
and just kind of doing like almost like a, just a dump of kind of like what the day was like and like where you see the Lord in the day. It might be hard to read back one day, but you're also going to see God's goodness all the way through it. You're going to see how he was there from the beginning and how he stayed near to you, that even is, on the hardest days. Do you know what? I If I have one regret, it would be that I didn't do more of that. Mm. Because when you look back that the th- at what you've written, you have... Um, like there are real time feelings that you, it's crazy how your mind um, softens some of them as time goes on mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or some of them fade. But it is so true. You see those feelings and then you see the ways that God actually, like the little miracles along the way. I know that's like a, you know, kind of a cliche term, but you do, you see the different ways where he directed the path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so yeah, that would be a big recommendation. Write it down. Journal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, um basically what happened next is and and this is like this is totally God directed and and really helped in my journey of uh, having peace was getting me to the right people to help me. So I had a lot of uncertainty and a lot of um, just a lack in my gut of, of feeling confidence in who I had seen medically. And it's not against them. It's sometimes I think there's a connection that it's either there or not between a patient oh, yeah. and their yeah. and their doctor. Sure. So it was just through people who didn't have to help me, but who wanted to, that directed me to a surgeon and an oncologist who I just... Like I met them and both separately and I felt immediate, like this is who I'm supposed to be with. And um, so that happened in January and then we made our plan and they involved me in it and they gave me some options and which really made me feel maybe a little less out of control, gave me a little bit of a, uh, a, a voice. Mm -hmm. And so I went the route of having um, chemotherapy first. And so I did, uh, four, I I opted for four treatments of quite a strong chemotherapy to do it fast and hard. And I followed that up with a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. So that happened late May. And then I moved into, um, I continued a year of biological therapy that ended in January of 2016 and then continued hormone therapy until this last summer. I finished five years. So, yes. And I was released. The day I got the phone call from my oncologist saying, like, I am releasing you from the BC Cancer Agency was was exciting and a little bit scary at the same time. You feel like you have a little bit of a security blanket. But um, really the first for me, like the, 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 the hardest part or that was was the treatment that went the first until I guess end of May and um yeah so that's the journey wow wow you really took on a lot in a short amount of time like I'm thinking about 
everything. So my mother-in-law um, has actually, she's right there. She's just been going through uh, all the treatments um, over the last year. She's doing really good and she's awesome. actually just taking her last um, pill dose um, this week. And so, and she's doing really good and, and, but we've watched, we've watched her walk through it, you know, and, um, but I, I mean, I know the toll it took on her and I'm just imagining you as a mom with three kids and what that, you know, look, look like. like, I mean, tell me some of the greatest challenges and even just, just the day to day motherhood, um, you know, things that you were we're having to even talk to, you know, about with your kids and explaining to them. I mean, they were older, so right. obviously they were able to wrap their minds around this, right? Your youngest, you said, was 10 at yes. the time. But what yep. was that like? What were some of those bigger challenges like for you? I think if I, when I look back, my one of my biggest concerns um, beyond myself was the kids. So yeah. I... I questioned God as to why, why my kids would have to worry, you know, about losing their mom. Now, the the wonderful thing was that I had a really good prognosis. So that was, that was something we shared. And that, that's probably one thing to say is we were extremely transparent with our kids. Um, and so we didn't ever try to hide anything. But the bottom line was that we wanted them to be a part of it and to... Um, and to see what mom was going through, but also to give them reassurance of what the doctors had said, where our faith was. My biggest thing was I didn't want to miss out on their important things. Right. And um, I think I had a vision of chemotherapy only from what I had seen in the movies. And mm. it, it didn't look pretty to me. And I was very concerned about that. Um, and so one thing I did learn quite quickly is it's there is some the theatrical elements to what you see in the movies and people Absolutely. do have, right? And people do have really difficult times, but we also do live thankfully in a time where there are a lot of different ways that they can help manage and help you get through that. So I, you know, chemotherapy was really difficult on me, um, but I had such an amazing family and set of friends around me that helped fill in the gaps and kind of their, their, um, purpose for me, what in, in helping me was, listen, we want you to save your energy for the things that matter to you. So we don't want you to miss the things that are important. So the other stuff let us do. And, you know, it's hard to do that as a mom. Um, but I took people up on that. And they filled in the gaps. So that meant a lot of people like my sister put together um, a schedule for people uh, to bring me meals every, every chemo treatment. So for about a week, I had people that were bringing me meals. So I didn't have to worry. That was off my plate. Um, getting me groceries, helping drive the kids to the things that like, like school and, and dance and volleyball and that kind of stuff so that I could be at the dance, um, competitions and I could be at the volleyball tournaments. And so it really, I feel like it was like a team effort mm. and, um, I look back and I'm like, praise the Lord. I don't think I missed anything that I wanted to be at. Wow. So I think my for my kids to be able to see that their mom was still there was a comfort. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, one other thing was Lincoln, he was in a new school that year and his teacher, his teacher's wife had had cancer a number of years prior. And so that teacher reached out to me and was like, I've got him. Like, I just want to let you know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm going to be checking in with him. Um, I'm always here for him. And so I felt like he had that support around him, which I mean, I could never have even planned that. Right. So I, when I look at that time, it wasn't just like a Laurel time. It was like Mm. Laurel with the team and they worked to make me happen. Wow. Yeah. It was like the body of Christ. It was the body of Christ in action. Yeah. It's amazing. I sometimes like when I hear stories like this, I just, I immediately think of those who have had to walk through this without that support. Um, And I just, I, you just really see how valuable and it is, or how um, worth it it is to allow other people to come into the picture. I've shared this before on the podcast, but, you know, um, in, in the many different seasons, very painful and difficult seasons that I've had to go through, that my husband and I have had to walk through together, um, whether it be loss or illness, um, you know, there are times, there are so many more times that I can think of where I should have been vulnerable and allowed others to step in and help and I didn't because there well there's lots of reasons you know but the the reasons don't really matter it is really more the fact that I suffered more unnecessarily because I didn't allow others to step in and help that's so and I think that it's just so important to be willing to lay down, whether it's pride, whether it's, you know, even sometimes probably denial for people. Sometimes it's like, oh, this will be better. This will get better. It'll be fine. Right. I don't need help, which all just stems from pride when yeah, it really absolutely. comes down to it, right? It's just absolutely. pride. And I think, like, it's actually really a joy. And I, I think sometimes the enemy likes to lie so loudly to us that it's, that we're going to be a burden to others. Yes. And the truth is that for the majority of us, unless somebody is truly self-centered and self-focused in that place in life, it is a joy for us to serve the people we love. It is so true. And you know what? I actually had a friend say that to me. Um, Do you know that you, by accepting people's offers to serve, you're actually giving them an opportunity. Like some people just need that opportunity and they want absolutely to, they want to do it. So it's not actually just about you, Laurel. It's actually about um, allowing other people to use their giftings and wow. everyone serves in a different way. Like I remember one girl who I like, I can't even say we were super close friends. We were more acquaintances and she reached out to me and she said, I cut hair. I don't bake bread. I don't make soup, but I cut hair and I would love to cut your hair um, short Mm. to prepare you for chemotherapy. Like that's what I can offer to you. And I just was so blessed by that. Like, I don't don't know another word. Like I was so touched. I was so touched Uh by that. And she was using her God-given talents and skills and doing something that she didn't have to. And I just, that just really stands out as a pivotal moment of like allowing people to use their giftings and give them an opportunity as well. It's not just about me. I see so much humility in that. 
a, a person willing to say, hey, you know, I'm not very good in this area, but here's what I can offer and this is how I can serve you. Um, I think, uh, would you agree that sometimes um, we simply don't ask because we're afraid of being rejected? Oh, absolutely. Or mm-hmm. like this, or, or you know, why why would why would they want me involved in their life mm-hmm. or i don't mm-hmm. know them well enough i have no right to like be be um put, putting myself in there and that yeah. all comes from an insecurity right it really does i can remember one of the first um so we we've i walked we've walked through three losses in um our years of having babies and i remember the first loss was around nine and a half weeks and i remember that um I tried to be really tough and strong during that one, and that was not a good choice because then I went into my next pregnancy, which was a healthy pregnancy, but I went in very fearful um, and very tense and very... Um, I, I just hadn't pro- processed the loss very well, and but I do remember that after that we had lost that baby... Um, somebody, same, same situation, a, a, a gal that I did not know very well, a friend of a friend's, um, she had come over to pick up something. I can't remember the circumstances, but she brought me this little gift bag because I had mentioned Gosh. that we had just lost a baby and she, mm-hmm. she just brought me and she had walked through it herself. So she wow. understood the pain and I really didn't know her well at all. And I remember being so touched because she brought me just a few little things and she also took the time to write a little card and I wow. am not gifted in card writing. Like I'm just <laughs> going to say that. I love my husband is better at writing cards than I am. But I'm a, I'm a gift giver. I love gift giving. But when people take the time to actually write a card, yeah. it means so much to me because maybe it's because it's something I'm not good at. I don't know what it is. Maybe it has nothing to do with me. But I just felt so moved that she cared enough and yeah. to, to, to just offer me that little bit of support, not knowing me very well at all. Absolutely. When someone does something for you that they, they don't have to, that mm-hmm. has an impact doesn't mm-hmm. it? Oh, it really does. Yeah. I think that that's real servitude. Like just that's that's really serving, genuine serving. That's and and I think ser- servanthood whether um you know, it's something that we have to do like for our children or in these situations where someone is in need. Um it never goes unnoticed. It's never something that just like we say that the God's word never goes out void, right? I believe that he honors our intentional, our kind-hearted intentions towards others. Even if somebody said, you know what, I don't really need any help right now. And we've all been there, right? We've reached out right. and we've said, hey, you know what, um, if you want, like, I don't mind making a meal. I actually just had this recently where I had offered to make something and this this friend said, you know what, I'm actually fine. I'm, I, I'm able to, to cook for, for our family even though I'm sick. And, you know, right. and it was fine. It was like, I just had that feeling of like, okay, I did what God asked me to do. I did, you know, I responded. I didn't hold back because I was afraid she might say no. Right. And I think that's the, where the difference lies is just that we're willing to, in humility, stand up and say, like, I'd like to help you if you if you want the help, right. if you need and, the help, right? And you are showing obedience. Like, yeah. when God asks us to do something, um, we can often find a lot of reasons why, like, 
even our insecurities. Not to. Yeah, mm-hmm. not to. So if mm-hmm. he asks us to do something and we, that's, we're only, and like, that's all we have to worry about is just being obedient. And then how, if the other person needs it or doesn't need it, that's, an, that's another thing. But um, yeah. you were just being obedient to God's nudging. Yes, yes. And the outcomes, you know, are are usually always so positive. So I think we're saying all this to encourage listeners, like, just step out, even if you feel a little bit insecure, even if you feel like you don't know the person well, don't use the excuse, oh, they probably have lots of other people taking care of them. Right. You know, don't don't listen to that. Still follow a prompting. If you feel like you should reach out, reach out because it's, and, and it's probably it, for a reason that you feel that way. Totally. And don't feel mm-hmm. like you have to be the one that has to make the dinner. If you don't make dinner, then just, right. you know, like ask God to let you use your talents and your giftings. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think we're we're talking about just the the um, you know, how you've been supported in that. Um and it's I just love hearing about the way that you had people rally around you. Um and I think that that it truly makes all the difference in the recovery. But I wanted to know what other things kind of, you know, took place during that time in your own, you know, relationship with the Lord that, you know, what kind of growth did you experience and and maybe what kind of, you know, challenges did you face in your walk with the Lord? Because, again, this was a two-year journey. Oh, no, this was a one year, right? From it was, this... yeah, it kind of, it was one. The bulk of it. Full, yeah, one, right? I would say one year. Yeah. It was one year. So, so what would you say, like, the overall, I mean, I obviously you've talked about the peace that God has brought to you. Was there any other, you know, moments with the Lord that you experienced where you just felt a tremendous presence or where you had a lot of questions? Well, I think I started with a lot of questions. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think I was ever angry, but I was more sad would be the mm. way I would put it. So sad that, well, first of all, we all have plans for our lives, which mm. it's funny because, I mean, time and time again, I have been shown that our plans need to be held very loosely. And and so I had a plan. I, I, I thought I knew what my next, you know, indefinite amount of time was going to look look like. So the initial uh, diagnosis took my plans away from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I, I felt unsettled. I didn't like that. Um and I really fought against that for for quite some time because I didn't want it to change. I didn't want it to impact the kids. I didn't want it to change what their year looked like. Um, mm-hmm. That was the part I more felt sad about was um, mm. I didn't want them worrying. I didn't want them to think they couldn't do do something because they're mom. And so that was probably one of the biggest struggles. Another struggle was I... I um, I do have an anxiety disorder that kind of cropped up shortly after I had Lincoln. So that was, that had been from years before. And I really had, it had taken a number of years for me to learn how to manage it. 
And so I felt like I was in a good place. And so when I received uh, the diagnosis, it brought a lot of those feelings up again and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable feelings that I felt I had put away in a little box that I wasn't going to have to experience again. So um, those feelings came back in very quick order. And so I... I, um, I took all my tricks out that I had learned over the years from the tickle trunk and, you know, started putting those back into practice. But I I definitely, I went back to counseling right away and that was pivotal for me um, to be immersed in truth. And um, when you're in a, when you've heard something or had something traumatic happen to you, I think that's one of the, one of the little ploys of the enemies to start replacing truth with lies. Absolutely. um, So we talked a lot in counseling about making sure my car was parked in the truth parking lot. (laughs) And a lot of times I had to reverse (laughs) and move my car, so to speak. And, and so we kept going back to the truth, the, the, the physical truth of what my medical team had told me, but even more importantly was the truth of God and, and what he promised me mm-hmm. and, um, his presence in my life, um, that my joy did not need to be taken away, um, that God was my protector and that how, like, how was I going to fight this and what did fighting or battling cancer look like? And for me, I've talked about this before. When we think of battling, we think of like aggressive uh, behavior and you're like fighting against something. But that's not what it really looked like for me. For me, it looked like more um, a, a posture of rest and surrender. And it didn't happen at once. And it and it was a roller coaster still. I don't ever think I ever... Um, made it, so to speak. It was a, it's a journey. It's a, it's a daily thing, but had taking that different posture um, was what I felt allowed God to um, do some little work in me. (laughs) Well, we fight, we fight with truth. We fight with speaking the truth of God's word for us. We fight by declaring who God is for us. Um, and I've known that in my life as well, walking through, um, an illness, a postpartum mental illness. And it is absolutely what overall has saved me and provided me the greatest recovery from anxiety because mine was like a medical level, right? I had to go on like the highest dose of medication for this. And now I actually am just weaning down. Um, and it's going so well. Yep. Yeah. Praise God. Like I haven't even shared. Actually, this is the first time I've mentioned that. Hardly anyone knows. I actually, yeah, this is a story for another time. But the Lord prompted me a few weeks ago to cut my dose in half uh, with some, um, you know, coaching on that from my uh, doctor. But it wasn't actually my intention. And um, it was like a moment of pure peace from the Holy Spirit that this is what was right for my body. It wasn't just my mind. It was like, this is what your body actually is. He has healed enough that the medication dose that I've been on, that I felt safe taking, was actually too high and was not functioning the way that I needed it to. And when I cut the dose in half, 
one day went by, two days, three days, four days, five days, and I got to the two-week mark and I was like, praise God, I actually feel better. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. So I like, I fully understand um, where you're coming from. I mean, our journeys are different um, that I understand, you know, this whole, the, the fighting with, with truth. And I don't know if those who are listening who aren't believers, who don't have that relationship with the living God, I don't know if it will be easy to understand. Maybe it will be profound for them to hear this, but the world says we need to fight with self-care and finding who we are and the Enneagram and all this stuff. But the truth is our anxiety is kicked to the curb when we focus on who God is and we believe him and we we cling to that truth because the more we focus on self it, actually the worst the worse we feel it's absolutely and when we true. when we look out to the God of the universe and we trust him with our lives and we say Lord I believe that you are who you say you are the game changes everything changes well it, it do- really does it does and I mean the uh, focus on ourselves if you look, it's like, how is it working? It's not. We're more, we're more right. anxious than we ever have been. Or like, you know, um, if you look to society in general. And so mm-hmm. there is something, I mean, I'm a believer and have been my whole life, but it was, it's been a profound experience even for me <laughs> to yeah. uh, like open the clenched fists because mm-hmm. we do, we try, we find it so hard <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and still, sometimes, I mean, it's I, we're creatures of habit. And so often I'm like, I feel like I'm white knuckling it. And mm-hmm. um, the freedom we have in Christ is to actually just open open our hands. And there is intense freedom in giving that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. And you're right. I think that where we, we have to find, we have to create a boundary line for ourselves too in this is that we we always will struggle you know like we are all predisposition well not you know like we all have our own areas of struggle right whether it is anxiety or it's depression or it's self self obsession i mean there's there's so many different things that as human beings as imperfect beings that we will struggle with and i think it's false hope to listen to a world that says that you can make yourself happy. You can create the life that you've dreamed of and everything's going to be perfect and okie dokie. Like, what is that? That is not reality. We will always have struggles. And the beauty of it is that God allows those struggles for not only for our good and his glory, but for the benefit of other people. Just like your friend, this this friend said to you, it's not just, it's not just about you, Laurel. Like it's about so much more when that focus comes off of just us, right? And how we can get so wrapped up in ourselves. Everything changes. Everything changes. And I truly believe that's when we grow. And that's when we see tremendous change, positive change happen, not only in ourselves, but in the people around us. I so agree. I I think of the people that spoke to me early on in my diagnosis who shared their stories and just like open their lives up to me and um the benefit like a lot of them said it was therapeutic for themselves as well but what it gave to me um is immeasurable so it's like when you even when you're in those moments when you can turn and 
pour into someone else, um, it's actually, it's like, it's good for you and for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and it changes. And like, I don't know about you, but I want to be around people like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I feel, I feel less anxious being around people like that. People who are sharing and encouraging. And so I agree. I, I, I feel like the, the focus on self, it's, it's not helping us. It's really not. It's really not. I feel very passionate about talking about this so much more in this space because even for mothers in general, like from, from infanthood, like from when your babies are tiny to when they're teens, um, I think that moms get fed more and more today than ever. Um, this idea that motherhood isn't enough. And that, you know, you should be doing more and you should. And I and I mean, you and I both agree, like, it is really healthy and really good for women to have things that they they are able to do that are, are passions and things that they enjoy, especially, you know, when moms are, are primarily committed to their children and have the ability to, say, be at home with their children. Not everyone has that ability um, at different times in that journey. So many women want to be able to do that. But I do think that it is so healthy for us to pursue things that bring joy because often we're able to be better mothers because of it. Um, but I do also think that there's a lot of harmful statements, as we, we've already been talking about, that do propel women towards fault, faulty ideas of what where our, where our joy comes from, right? And so, but I just love, I love hearing, you know, one of the things, Laurel, that I've seen so clearly, just having followed you through social media primarily, you know, and those are only small glimpses into each other's lives but I see that you have beautiful relationships with your children well I mean I don't put the bad moments on no (laughs) no but we all have bad we all have bad moments (laughs) but I will say it has been um it has been a joy as they grow older to um like I I don't just love them because they're my kids. Like I actually mm-hmm. really love who they are as human beings. And we all have faults and I'm sure they'd have lots of stuff to share with you about, you know, the mistakes I've made. But um, I, it's a joy. Like it's a joy for me to, anytime they, like Friday night, hey, do you want to go see the James Bond movie? And I'm like, you know, I consider it a win when they invite me to hang with them right and um I mean I'm still their mom I'm not um (laughs) I'm not their age and I don't try to be but I just when they invite me to be in their space I I still feel a thrill I do because um they're getting more independent and um and I'm not always gonna have this I'm not always, they're not always going to live here. First of all, like I have to remind myself of that reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are not going to live here forever, but I just, I'm so grateful that, um, I'm so grateful that they're okay spending time with their mom. And, um, you know, mostly I'm, I'm thrilled that they have each had found a relationship with Christ. And I pray that that continues to grow and deepen. And, um, that's the most important thing. So, we all have our things. We all have our struggles as moms, and um, yeah. but I, I, I love spending time with them. I do. I consider it a joy. 
Mm. Well, that's my hope and prayer. We're almost into the teenage years with our oldest here. And I'm, you know, and I'm walking through so much new stuff with her. And so I actually find more and more that I, um, I just love hearing. I love seeing moms like you who do enjoy being with their children because that's my heart too. I want so much to be that mom. And so, and I are. Well, (laughs) I hope so. I can be very self critical and I'm very, um, but you know, here's what I've been really noticing um, lately is that when I just stop trying to perfect and fix and tweak and I just stop and I just be and I just listen and I just am there and present, I notice with my oldest right now so much how that's all she wants. It's not that I don't, there's not a place for correcting and a place for helping. And the Lord knows this is very hard for us sometimes. It's so true. Oh my goodness. Like, can you please try to have a shower more than once a week? Yeah. But I, you know. (laughs) They need those reminders. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like, I do feel like I am really learning what it means to put my own agenda aside or what I feel like I should be doing and just be present and just kind of get it's it's a big learning curve it's a big learning curve but one that I am so so grateful for because I'm seeing the fruit of the effort and the growth that's needed do you know what I mean I'm seeing it happen I'm seeing like she's you know I'm seeing her come to me and say I'm sorry for my outburst and I'm like you're apologizing this is this is beautiful like something good is transpiring here there's many things like that but it's encouraging um so yeah you're 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 an inspiration in that I really really feel that way again I don't know your day-to-day but just I don't know I just see your love for your children and it's it's so encouraging. That is super kind and complimentary and I will be sure to remind my children of that. <laughs> just kidding. But you know, one thing that you said though about your daughter apologizing is she's obviously seen her mom model that and um, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So I do remember my parents um, being willing to apologize to to me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. And that has a profound effect um, when you, the people that you're supposed to respect and obey, when they could admit that they're wrong, yeah. that um, that's a huge, that's a huge gift to give your kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's intentional parenting, I think, that really makes that difference when we we decide who we want to be for our children, not just what what are my dreams for my kids, but who do I want to be and who how do I want to be an example for for my children and and again, we don't have to say it anymore, but we fail all the time as moms, but we also we also have to watch for those sweet little moments that that keep us moving forward that are encouragements, right? Absolutely. That we're doing okay. Absolutely. Laura, what kind of encouragement would you offer to a mother who's listening right now? Because I know we're going to have moms who who are in the middle of a cancer diagnosis um, or who, you know, maybe one day that is something that they could experience. Um, I'm just wondering what your encouragement for them is at this stage, whether they've got little ones or their children are a little bit older like yours were. I think the biggest encouragement I could have is whether it's cancer or it's something else traumatic and unplanned, is 
God's sovereignty. And it sounds big and it sounds lofty, but um, he, his promises are, and the hope that he gives us is what will get us through these really hard things. And I know like when you get that diagnosis, you're just like the world stops and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you fear and um, all these different emotions. But I have now seen, I know I've always known God could heal like physically, emotional, all that stuff. But I have actually seen how God has the ability to heal those those hurts, those fears, those, mm-hmm. um, those anxiety laden times in your life that God's presence has the ability to be able to survive those moments and not to survive, but also thrive crazy to think that you go through these really hard moments and mm-hmm. that you actually can look back and be like, okay, wow. Like God, taught me so much. I've grown in so many ways because of his mercy. And so I probably would just encourage someone and say like, you don't have to lose your joy. You do at moments. Let's be human. (laughs) But um, he will, you will never be alone. Like you're not alone. You're not. And um, I would pray that they would be surrounded by people who would encourage them and build them up and tell them to just be like we were saying transparent when you're hurting when you're scared when you're anxious reach out because there are people that mm-hmm. um would love to walk alongside you yes yes and cancer is not the end of the journey it's not the end of the journey no yeah it's not. wow wow well, I have a fun little question I ask guests at the end of these conversations. Okay. Everyone seems to enjoy it. And I actually don't know if I gave you a head up for this one. No. But if you had four hours all to yourself, which I know is more common now mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. A lot of my moms that I talk to have younger children. But, you know, four hours all to yourself, no plans. And somebody was going to clean your whole house for you. Oh, bring that what on. Would you do? <laughs> what would you do with those those four hours? I would probably, I don't, okay, I'd probably either, I would have coffee and that would be either at home or I'd find a coffee shop with a really great book. Mm. Um, and I'd probably just sink right in. Reading for me is so relaxing and such an escape that, mm. um, and I'd probably want to tag on a little walk to that or hike. I love being outside. So mm. To me, going to a coffee shop, having a little coffee and a read, and then going for a walk in nature would be like bliss. Sounds so good. Yeah. Laurel, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Linnell. I love hearing about God's faithfulness in the midst of our our hard our hard journeys of life, the suffering that we can encounter can be so overwhelming and yet we just see the peace like you listened to Laurel just share, the peace that God gives in the midst of of these scary times and the way that um, He brings people around us to bless us and to comfort us and provide and to support us. I hope that you are super encouraged by um, everything that Laurel shared today. Um, And I just wanted to read something to you um, from Psalm 30. It's a verse that just 
Oh, it, it's it's this moment in David's walk of life where he is desperate. I believe he was critically ill, and he's just desperate for the Lord's deliverance. So let me read this to you, Psalm 30, verse 8 to 12. To you, Lord, I call. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Okay, coming up um, for this season, we have... Um, just a couple little changes and the main one is that new episodes aren't going to be weekly anymore um, during the season of life still I have uh, my youngest at home I have felt that I need to um, step back a little bit even though we're starting up again so it's going to look more like an every other week um, release of a new episode that's my hope and my prayer that's what we're working towards um, and then the other little change is that I'm hoping to finally start sharing a little bit more some of my own stories and journeys and also to just provide you with some really practical tips and advice um, on the topics of walking through grief and trauma and anxiety and all the, <laughs> all the things that, that God has um, walked me through and continues to. So... Um, but we also have a lot of guests that are, are going to be coming and sharing their stories too. So I'm really excited about that. Okay, friends, I will see you here again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening.